right then, here we are. We are live on YouTube. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, today is a show about how to do a show, you could say. So it's an online conference about doing online conferencing. Uh, welcome to all the 50,000 people out there. No, it's not quite 50,000, but yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have you with us today. So uh, yeah, the last few weeks have been absolutely crazy, I think for all of us. Uh, very difficult times, I think, especially if you are a keynote speaker, uh, because right now there aren't any keynotes. <laughs> and uh, we have to change pretty much how we do everything. But this is only a little uh, part of the equation. Uh, basically, you can, you can safely say there's a time uh, before Corona and there's a time after Corona. And everything in between is up for discussion. And one thing is for sure, I think it's quite clear that uh, everything is going to go online and remote now. I don't think people will stop seeing each other, stop speaking to each other, stop going to conferences. That's all going to come back, albeit probably in a quite different way. But it will change the equation because now we're thinking about, you know, if it works now and we can talk now and we can learn online and we can do, you know, why wouldn't it work next year? I think that's going to really change our mindset. I mean, just think about if you're, for example, a Spotify user, um, think about this. You know, years ago, we, we used to say, well, the internet stuff, you know, the sound quality is bad and the selection is bad. And, you know, but all of a sudden we got used to it. And now Spotify is like the new normal. Uh, and we don't go back to CDs, even though the sound is worse. So I think the habit change is going to be fundamental. A huge challenge is coming our way. Uh, in the next couple of months and also for next year. And we'll talk a little bit about that before we go into the actual theme of the conference. But um, so we have four great panelists. Uh, let's, let's show all of them here. Uh, the primary mode of communication with us uh, in this show is going to be the question and answer button. And that's on the lower left of the screen right here, right? <laughs> uh, where you can see the Q and A and you can post any question you want Keep in mind, we are live on YouTube. So questions, whatever you post there, is going live on YouTube uh, and then in perpetuity, you could say, uh, captured for everybody else. Uh, that same goes for the chats. And of course, if we asked you to join the meeting with audio and video, same thing, this is going live on YouTube, right? So please, uh, if you want to talk, there's a tool called hand raising, where you can raise your hand, you say, I want to speak. Uh, and when you use that tool, then we'll, our moderator, which I'll introduce shortly, will see it and bring you into the conversation if we have time. Okay. So please don't lift your hand, and uh, if you don't, if you're not equipped for actually speaking in a quiet room or with a decent uh, video feed and so on, let's show the four people in the show, and then I'll do my short intro. So I'd get us back onto the feed, all four. So I think you have us pinned right now. So, yeah. Let's put four people together here on the gallery view. I think here we are. Okay. Yeah, so, okay, here we are. There's all four of us. So there's Anthony Lassenay. Uh, Anthony will speak about himself shortly, but uh, he's, he's based in, in uh, Sweden or Copenhagen? Sweden, right? Sweden, yeah. Sweden. Uh, yeah, and he's also a member of the Features Agency. Uh, then on the lower right is Osa. I always say awesome, right? Uh, <laughs> I said, take a, take a mark, right? Take a mark, yeah. Uh, and and she is a she is a online Sweden too, expert. actually. It's Sweden, Sweden, yes. Oh, sorry, I'm getting confused here. Now it's basically all virtual now. And here's our brave moderator, Soha Rashid. Uh, she's based in Turku, Finland. 
Hi, everyone. He's also part of the Features Agency. Um, so uh, I'm going to just show you a couple slides uh, to get into the framework of what we're doing here and why we're even bothering um, with an online conference. And then Anthony will start with his talk about uh, providing tips and tricks. If you have questions, please use the question bar down there. There is also a chat, but it's quite likely that we will not be able to, um, to do a lot of chatting because there, there's going to be a lot of questions. Um, we're also going to uh, be placing some links and assets like PDFs into the chat box. And um, of course, after the show, you can download the whole thing by going to my blog, futuristgert.com. There's going to be an email afterwards where you can download all of the stuff, the audio, the video, the slides, everything that we have ever produced here uh, for perpetuity and, and keep watching it, okay? So um, let me start showing the keynote, if I still have it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is one of those things where you have to say, well, uh, you know, you move something away, it doesn't show up anymore, and all of a sudden you're looking for it. Uh, this is a very much a live demo. I like that. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm trying out new stuff here too. So, all right. Somehow my yeah, okay, that's very good. My keynote has crashed. That's uh, always a good thing to do, but. Uh, you see what to do. You just keep talking. That's the most important part. And that's what I usually do when I'm on stage and something goes wrong. But uh, if we don't have trouble talking, I guess that, that would be okay. So uh, let me try this again. And I usually recommend on online shows that you share PDFs rather than Apple Keynote. That's a common issue on Apple Keynote that it doesn't do the right thing at the right time. I'll move this over here. Okay. So you know, needless to say, we have already started. So uh, a great saying by Milton Friedman. Uh, I use this in my new film that I launched today that you may have seen on the intro screen. Uh, it's about the grand transformation. Milton Friedman is a sort of a, a Republican economist, you know, which I wouldn't usually quote. But, but, but he has a very good quote where he says, only a crisis produces real change. When that crisis occurs, the actions that are taken on the ideas that are lying around. Very important point. Right? So I think right now we're going to take action on the ideas that are lying around. And that goes equality, climate change, environment, different energy, uh, solidarity between people. All these ideas are lying around and they're now becoming sort of a mainstream discussion. Uh, I think this is actually good, but obviously you know, we're heading into the great transformation. Some people have uh, said in the last couple of weeks we're heading into the Great Depression, like, you know, post... Uh, post-Great Depression or, of course, the Financial Depression in 2008. I think that's probably true in economic terms. But I think there's many good other things coming from it. And I always say failure to adapt means failure to exist. I mean, we as keynote speakers, that's going to be our job this year to, to adapt. But that's, that's pretty much true for everyone. Uh, I think there's lots of hope in here. Um, the thing is, of course, about this crisis, I think it does bring out the worst and the best of us in us. So in many ways, you could say if you're an autocrat or if you're a politician that doesn't know up, you know up from down, then it's probably the worst of you that comes out now, as we've seen. But there's many other people who are saying that we have more solidarity, we're talking more to each other, we're appreciating each other more, we're collaborating. Like, you know, this here is a good example. We're actually collaborating now together. We've never done that before because it wasn't required, right? Uh, and now we're collaborating. I think that's also true for scientists, for example. You can see how scientists are now 
globally collaborating to solve the crisis and find a solution. And that's going to be the new normal going forward. Business as usual is ending. I think, you know, if you're in the airline business, yeah, it's ending. It's ended, right? Cruise ships, finished, right? I mean, who's ever going to go voluntarily back on a cruise ship, especially older people after what we've seen now? Uh, and then there's other stuff that's starting, right? The whole debate about how our social system is run, sustainable capitalism. And this, of course, is a big deal, right? Remote everything is here. I call Zoom, the software that we're using for this, for this show here, I call Zoom the, the new YouTube. Right? It's basically becoming the place that we go to now to do all these things. And now, of course, there's Zoom upper rows, you know, with Zoom drinking, there's Zoom parties and, you know, what have you. I think people will go back to seeing each other as soon as we can. Right? But still, you know, we're going to have remote everything and augmented reality, virtual reality will bring all those new op options. And technology is now the big winner, right? If you're a tech company, you're winning because everything is tech now, right? Uh, and in addition, a lot of people would say, well, we shouldn't restrict the tech companies too much because they're doing all these great things now. Right? So that leads also to the potential surveillance, uh, surveillance uh, uh, environment that, that we have to be very careful of that Noel Harari has talked about in his FT article you may have seen. As a summary of the video that you can, you can see on, also on YouTube, of course, uh, I think it's a very important that we're currently discovering that we actually are human. We need other humans. We have to talk to other humans. We have human needs that the internet doesn't fulfill. Uh, and this is a very big thing, I think, for us to think about how that will change our future going forward. I do believe that uh, online events can create a whole new business and a whole new industry that hasn't until now existed. Uh, that's going to be in parallel to the human contact. So that's it for me. Uh, I'm going to pass back to Anthony now. Uh, I've talked long enough. And uh, Anthony, please take it from here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, all right. So normally I speak about workplace communication, and I'm a sucker for analog communication. <laughs> I was almost unwillingly drawn into this when, when big corporations asked me, you know, how, what about virtual leadership? What about virtual communication? Uh, and I will share some ideas and tips uh, and experiences that I have. But first, I would like to just say hi to Osa again. Osa Degemach, she will be uh, part of this. Can you unmute yourself for just a second here? And we can see if we can get you to. Hi, Osa, how are you? Hey, Anthony, I'm fine. I'm super fine, actually. I'm really happy that you're with us, our good friend here, because you are a two-time award winner of producing online conferences. So you're at the right place right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy I can support right now. And, it's, and you know, you as a consultant, you're always happy to sell both umbrellas and ice cream. So now it's ice cream time and, and uh, I get really requests on, on frustrated from frustrated companies that really need to transform uh, live physical events into digital events. So I'm, I'm really happy to support. Excellent. We're going to have a chat with you uh, soon. At first, uh, let me share with you a couple of ideas about uh, the pros and cons, the, the pain and the gain of, of virtual conferences, virtual meetings, and then go into a couple of a selected few. I know, Gert, you said that we will give everything people need to know about uh, online conferences. That kind of stretches you too much, but we will uh, give yeah. you a couple not, of good... Not everything. Just not everything, can, right? no. But a, good, a couple of good uh, ideas and tips here. And I will also end with three tips for you if you are a speaker as well. You know, three hacks that will help you uh, get across kind of the, the barrier of the screen. So let me share with you uh, 
my doodles, my illustrations, my slides. Uh, here we go. Okay. So the first thing is, you know, what about face-to-face -face or through a screen? Gert, you are a former musician, am I right? <laughs> I have to unmute myself first. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm still a musician, but just no longer on stage. All right, fine. So you're a musician. Uh, would you think that we, if we had a chance, to, would rather see you live on stage in the same room or through a YouTube clip or something like that? I think it depends bet... how, pretty, how pretty you are. Well, you look good <laughs> enough. I mean, the whole experience of being there in the same room is so much richer. And I don't think we should kid ourselves. I know that you say that we will have a, you know, it might be that we will have more meetings like this in the future. I agree, we will have that. And they will look like, more and more look like physical meetings as well. And when we have, you know, VR and AR and so forth. But, but still, the experience is two-dimensional. It is not as good. We should just realize that it is a difference between being live or watching it on a screen. And then if you, if you take a phone conference, for instance, that's like listening to your con, uh, concert your, 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 when you play on a phone. It's not as good. And what about emails? Uh, that would be like somebody's transcribing what notes you're playing. So it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, and I just want to, us to realize that it's, it is not as good, the actual human experience. But with that said, we have a number of really good advantages as well. So let me go to that now. Advantages. Well, first of all, of course, we save time. Everybody has to you know, travel somehow and get to a place. I mean, I remember being uh, going to Dallas, you know, from Sweden to Chicago, Chicago, Dallas, rented a car, went to the, to the venue, spent two hours and then went back home. I mean... <laughs> Was it worth it? Perhaps, from a human experience perspective. But I don't know if that is the efficiency gain that we have. So that's one thing. Uh, if we're going to move on then, what else do we say? We save money, of course, on planes and trains and, and uh, accommodation, food, and all that sort of stuff. So it's also a good thing when it comes to this. These are all efficiency issues, of course. And, and really, you can even spend some money on us as keynote speakers or MCs, because if I have to travel and be away for three or four days, I naturally need to charge more than if I am working locally, of course. So if I'm sitting by my office desk, I don't necessarily have to charge as much. I mean, the value, the content is the same, but it's a timing issue as well that comes into play. So perhaps you can have two keynote speakers instead of one, or three instead of two, for instance, while working with this media. I haven't cleared this with yet, so perhaps you have another opinion on this one, but I think it's a, it's a good thing to consider at least. Uh, what else? Of course, I mean, the CO2, you, you save a lot on that as well. Not, not completely, I mean, it's not like this is zero because you still have a thousand machines up and running and requiring electricity and all that, but still you do save some things there as well. Also, you can bring in you know, an expert if you want to that cannot travel to you for a half hour panel discussion, but they can always be online with you. So if you have a hybrid conference, for instance, this is a good way of just bringing in someone for a short while and then leave them be. And finally, and this is a new one that I did not think about when I, when I wrote a book about virtual meetings, you don't infect people <laughs> when you're not in the same room. So this is kind of another advantage. It just showed up, you can say. It. All right, so those were some of the advantages. I mean, they are pretty significant, really. So you can do a lot of things with, with just saving, you know, saving the planet, if you will, and also be efficient at the same time. 
let's go into a couple of uh, experiences, uh, ideas, tips that I've got and gathered also from other thought leaders around the world when it comes to, to online conferences. Uh, one of them is that you should not be sloppy just because it's a virtual conference instead of a physical one. So this one is so important that you still have set a goal for the conference, that you still have a purpose for the conference. I mean, when I am when hired by, by an organizer to, to be an MC or, or a keynote speaker, I always ask the same question. So why do you have this event? And you would be surprised how many come back with one answer. Well, we usually have one in April. And I think tradition is really good, but it cannot be, sorry, that cannot be the only thing. We need to have a better purpose than only tradition. So that's the one thing that kind of, this is, this is the same for a physical meeting as it is for an online meeting, it's the same thing. Now, you just saw my next uh, advice here, and that is to, use the possibilities that we have now on this medium that actually in one sense brings us even closer. I mean, you can use the Q&A function, you can use the chat, you can use a polling, you can use all sorts of things that make the interaction even greater. So we can feel that we're almost closer to the keynote speaker, for instance. We're not closer to our audience members. We cannot have this social gathering, the networking in the coffee breaks and so on. That's the lack we have. But we can be closer to the actual keynote speaker. So use every opportunity you can. And I know that we won't go to breakout sessions this time, but we will have some polling at the very end, so you get a feel for that as well. The next one is to keep your meetings shorter. The concentration level that you have in your brain is, is diminishing when you work in a virtual environment. And we have not been going on for very long. And I can tell you, some of you have already checked your email at least once, even though I'm right now trying to pour out my heart and soul to you. So keep the meetings shorter. For instance, this uh, Monday, a few days ago, uh, I was supposed to have a one-day uh, workshop on storytelling for a group. Uh, that obviously didn't happen on site, but instead we had one session in the morning and one session in the afternoon so that we covered both time zones, and those were 90 minutes instead of those six, eight hours that we were supposed to work. So keep the meetings shorter. Uh, it's a really good advice. The next one, use a moderator. I am surprised how many people forget the MC role and the moderator, as we have here with Soha, um, there's two different roles also in this virtual uh, environment. One is to kind of lead the process, just like any ordinary moderator. So when I have that role, I mean, it's about creating an atmosphere, introducing the speaker, asking the right questions, having a panel discussion, but it's also keeping track of the chat, keeping track of the Q&A, keeping track of everything like that. And it's so great to, to, to remember that you might need not only one, but two. The money you save from not traveling uh, and, and having accommodation and so forth, use some of that back into having a good moderator or two, perhaps, uh, creating a good uh, technical environment as well, perhaps with a studio and so on. So use a moderator as well. Uh, thank you, Soha, for being here with us. Uh, and then, of course, adapt to time zones. If this is a global event, somehow adapt to time zones. I saw that uh, Steve, Thomas, Andrew, you come from, from the US. This is the time that works for you. I don't think we have that many people from Asia right now because it's in the middle of the night for them. So again, time zone things are important to look at. And perhaps an event like this should be twofold, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. 
if you want to cover all time zones, so to say. Uh, those were my quick uh, kind of scratching on the surface advice. There are like a hundred more. Uh, but then I will like, give you three, three ones, uh, three, uh, sorry, three more advices when you are the presenter. Uh, concrete for you. First one, look up. Don't look at the screen, look at the web camera so it feels like we have an interaction, an eye contact with each other. Uh, if I would have looked like this when I speak with you, because that's where my screen is, you won't get the same feeling. So start looking at the camera, just like a program leader on TV. And also, don't look down, which means that if you have a laptop that looks down, it's like me being up here and trying to kind of uh, look down on you, doesn't feel good. So try to lift the whole camera up to eye level. Also good advice. And finally, my last advice, act out. I cannot move on the stage now. I cannot be, you know, walking towards one end of the room and then to another and then out perhaps to the audience. All I have is this and perhaps two hands. That's it. So give your everything when it comes to emotions and, and uh, clarity and energy into that uh, session. So those were my advice, uh, my tips and tricks and hacks. Uh, and now I think it's time to, oh yes, that's, sorry, that's the book. It's also in English called virtual meeting, very uncreative. But I'm going to stop sharing my screen now. Here we go. All right. And uh, let's see if we can look at if there are some Q&As here that we can cover before we go into OSA's section. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, actually I, I, have, I have a comment on this. I think uh, we have lots of interesting questions here. Just to remind the audience out there, you can go to the questions. You can look at the questions. If you like a question, you can upvote using the up button so that we know which ones are good, right? You can also use the chat, you know, so how well is monitoring the chat. Uh, don't send me WhatsApp messages, please, however, right? <laughs> so, uh, okay, one thing I want to say for sure is I think that, you know, having a real contact with real people next to each other, doing, you know, do, drinking the coffee, doing the drinking, uh, and all these things that happen at conferences, I mean, let, let's be sure that, you know, speakers are not the most important thing about conferences. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the mingling, right? And all that stuff. Uh, so what we do online is completely different. It has its own value. And it's kind of like, you know, you go to a music show or you watch the YouTube stream, right? They're different values. And I think they can perfectly exist with each other, but they're not uh, competing with each other. And this is what we're trying to figure out, right? What is the unique value of such an event like this? Right? And I think I'm totally with you, Anthony, on this. It has to be precise. It's not the big stuff on big stage. You know, if you want to see me on stage, you can go to YouTube, right? <laughs> you don't have to come to a webinar for that. So, uh, Anthony, yeah, any feedback on that? Or uh, one, one thing there that is, I think is really interesting is that, uh, you know how it was with the old, uh, when we had the smartphones coming in and we tried to take a, a web page right into the smartphone and we couldn't see anything because the, the size was so small. Uh, we needed to make them responsive. I think we should think exactly the same when it comes to online conferences compared to physical conferences. We cannot just move the whole thing into an online world. That would be yeah. stupid. Let's it use the functionalities we have. Let's, let's understand that we cannot meet over coffee, but we can do something else. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the first uh, uh, magazines that went online, you know, like 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 uh, fashion magazines. You know, they were just printing a PDF from their magazine, right? <laughs> and needless to exactly. say, it, did, it didn't work, right? Uh, so, uh, can you put us on the gallery view so we can have a okay? There we go. Have a more proactive conversation. Great. So let's take the first question, shall we? I mean, we have a clear upvote here by Steve Compold. Thank you, Steve, for contributing for this. Uh, the question by Steve is, what are the KPIs for an online event? What has been the biggest conference today and what are we aware of? Uh, what is the KPI for an online event, Anthony, also? I think I would like to also to answer that question. Also, what do you say? Well, I think, yeah. uh, first of all, it, we normally measure it on numbers of attendees. I think we should move on to measure how long uh, the audience stay in a digital event because that is really getting to you if your agenda is good enough to make the audience stay. And then I also think this satisfaction index from a, a consumer point of view is still valid, but then you need to ask other things. Uh, were you able to interact with the speakers? Were your uh, digital experience good and something like that. So number of visitors is, is not valid anymore, I would say. Rather, the digital experience, that's, that's really what interests us. Yeah, I tend to agree on this. I think the experience part is crucial. And this is, of course, why we're doing these kind of events, right? Because I think the experience can be completely different right? uh, online. Because, for example, I'm not, I'm not physically capable to give everybody in the room a PDF you know, when I'm on the stage speaking. But online, yeah, I can do that. I can give you a gift of, and in fact, Soa has a gift for you uh, that you could pull into the chat, right? We could do all those things and that's really different. I think the KPI, yeah, okay. Um, month ago, I wrote an article in Forbes magazine. I said, we should replace KPI with KHI, the key human index. You know, we should ask what is actually happening for us in this event, right? It, it, do we have a penny drop moment? Do we have an experience? Do we find out something new, right? Uh, and, and we have to really think of this a little bit differently in terms of measurement. You know, when you go to a real conference, lots of people leave the room in a boring speech and get coffee, and then you can see them. But here, you know, you see the count on participants shrinking, then you know there's something that's not quite there, you know? They haven't kept people's attention and stuff. But I mean, let's be fair, the distraction is huge on the online event, right? There's coffee coming, there's your cat running around, your wife is waving from the balcony, and, and your WhatsApp is going off, right? So, yeah, that's... Well, the distraction is pretty huge here as well, because if you're by your screen, that means that you're by default, or, uh, right. you know, very on your fingertips, you have your emails, you have your Facebook, you have your Instagram, all of those things compete with your attention in this case. That's why it's important to keep them short, I think. And also one of the questions, at least one of the questions was about that... Uh, uh, is it possible to carry out a day-long conference online? Well, you know, it's going to be tough, very tough for the audience. They will probably go in and out in that case, you know. But I see that as a really uh, challenging also has, situation. Also, also has another opinion on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shall no, we, how about, sorry. I don't think you can make a one-day conference online. Uh, I think you can do maximum two or three hours, but you can do breakout sessions after that because the human brain do not manage to sit one day behind the screen. There's no one that can make that attractive content actually for a whole day. So I would say no on that one, but two, three hours is maximum if you have really super content, but then you can do breakouts for more yeah. deep dives and that's, that's fine. 
And I love to do breakouts also in a keynote, just you know, make the you know, breakout two, three people, talk about this subject, come back in, and then we go on. And that creates also some sort of interaction that I really love. And, and the audience so far that I tried it on is, is really happy with that as well. And, and I think also, the, the other thing is, is the question of whether people know each other, they have existing relationships, right? Then you can do different things. For example, uh, you know, you can take a yoga class online with 30 other people from the yoga studio that you've previously met. And people are fine with doing that. They know each other, they chat, and they you know, they know each other. So you can do a session with the top level management, the top 30 people in the company that have previously met in real time. You can probably do that all day if you organize it correctly. But a huge conference, you know, pertains to the next question, large IT conferences and stuff, I think those are going to shrink. They're going to happen more often. They're going to happen in time zones. And when people can go back, they will go back. But think about this for a second. You know, I do a lot of those large shows. And, you know, when I go to Las Vegas to do a speaking gig in, at the, uh, at the what's not the Mondrian, the uh, whatever it is, big venue, right? I'm sure the production alone is probably $500,000. Know? Just the production. I work with the company uh, right now, actually, that they're yeah. moving from, you know, a traditional two-day techie conference that is tradition but now they have realized they can't do two days. So now they are splitting it up into one uh, mini conference per month instead. And I think that's the way to go. Uh, meeting more often, you know, make your content into portions and meet more often. And that's really the opportunity here. That's one yeah, of the reasons I talk about, you know, being responsive, like, like you're in a mobile app, you do the same thing here. You just bring it into the virtual environment where you need to do other things than what you do in a normal two-day conference, for instance. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I read the other day that Microsoft is doing 350 events or so a year, right? And will they continue to do that? That's highly unlikely for so many reasons, including airline disasters in terms of bankruptcies and so on, right? Including uh, mandatory travel health check. You know, when you go to the airport, you go to China, you're gonna to have to go through that. Think about the jam that you're going to have there at security, right? Uh, and, and then all of the carbon taxes that are coming for flying, right? So yeah, I mean, this isn't coming back. It's coming back in a different way. And we're always going to value meeting each other. And But we're going to take the train. We're going to do it more locally. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more local events where we take the train or we can easily go to rather than flying to China to meet, to meet people from Dell or whatever, right? Um, yeah, so it's going to be a, a, one of those mix. I often say it's a little bit like dating, you know? I mean, I'm too old to, uh, to use Tinder, but just as a comparison, right? When you date on Tinder, parenthesis, right? That's one way of dating. Probably gets you two results, you know, that you want to achieve. And then there's another way of dating, which is between people, you know, at, at events, friends, and so on. Are they mutually exclusive? Probably not. Do they have their own purpose? I would say so, yeah. I can't really say because I haven't tried, but... My assumption is they do have purpose, right? Lots of people are doing it, but they're not, they're not actually killing each other, right? People are still doing both and people are still going to concerts and listening to Spotify. So I think that's, that's how it's going to go. The hard part will be for companies in the next two or three years, budget, right? They're going to cut budget. Yeah, I mean, if, if I look at large, uh, large global corporations, then you, you'll probably see much more of hybrid meetings as well, where they have hubs where they meet and then, then they kind of uh, join together anyway, instead of everyone travel to one place. Uh, but you know what, I would like to also to, to come in here. I have a couple of questions for you also, and how about we go through them and see what we can do, and then we take the rest of the yeah. questions afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I already told you that you kind of this um, award-winning um, uh, producer of online conferences. So 
what is what is the one thing we should avoid? We've talked about it a little bit, but but you know, what is what, what should we not do? PowerPoint. Spell PowerPoint. PowerPoint. <laughs> you should not do. <laughs> Both me and Gert just used no, PowerPoint. No, Didn't I, you see I, that? I'm gonna. What, what what are you talking about? That's my life. <laughs> no, I think PowerPoints are really relevant in smaller meetings. Uh, in this case, it was perfectly fine with illustrations to make it a little bit more pedagogic, uh, etc. But if you do more TV broadcasting productions like you do in large corporations and you do in conferences like that, PowerPoints really kill the digital experience. You have so many more assets you can use, uh, storytelling, you can use graphics, you can use basically anything to support your story with. So I think PowerPoint belong in smaller meetings, fine. In larger meetings, no. Uh, because if you use PowerPoint, you lose attention from the speaker. And when you have cameras and TV productions, you really want the highlight to be on the speaker. And I also think you want to move away from that stage thinking. I mean, I think the biggest mistake you can do is to really, you know, put a speaker uh, with PowerPoints and that put a camera in the back. Because that is not what I consider as a digital conference. That's more of a webcast where you record. Uh, a stage speaker, and that's something different. But then again, oh, so give us some advice. You can use this, right? No PowerPoint. You just change the background. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. now I'm in San Francisco, Absolutely. and that's all. That's also a statement, right? Yeah. Uh, and you can use this great app. Uh, it's called Manicam, um, and Manicam allows you to actually bring in content in different ways into your camera feed. Uh, it's it's a bit much in terms of using it at the same time, but yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean you could see this kind of thing. I I can just change my background like this, and and then you will uh, you will get sort of a video feed there as well, yeah. right? You could say, but of course I'm still in it, right? Um, by the way, before we move on, I forgot one thing, you know, in all of that discussion, and that is that we wanted to have a poll of, as to who you are. Uh, I think that would still be useful. Do you still want to do that? Yeah, Anthony. Also, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. we'll do the poll. We'll do the poll now, and then and then we we'll go. Uh, okay. So I'm going to launch the poll. Uh, that that's the first one. Is what is your prior experience? And the poll should pop up on your screen now. Uh, here you, I think, only get one one possible answer. So please, all of you, just hit the poll there. You can find on the iPhone. It's on the top right, on the iPad also. We just want to know who you are, uh, so we can. We can see what your expert level is. You know, I did another event yesterday. Where it was really interesting to see that most people had trouble even finding the toolbar for Zoom, right? Because because they had never actually used the software that has several windows like this, right? So, yeah, interesting to see most of you, 53%. I think we're gonna we're gonna make the poll available for downloading as well. We're taking a nice screenshot from this, but but uh, it seems like most people have experience with Zoom. 50% of people have experience with Zoom. Uh, and some experience at 26%. Oh, yeah, there's one person that's overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, believe me, it's a learning curve, right? It's a steep learning curve, how to figure out how this works. Um, let me take a screenshot and I think we can just move on here, right? Uh, I think, has everybody voted? I think we have, yeah, pretty much. So I'm gonna share, I think I can share this uh, as well. Um, can we? I think we can here, share results. You can. Take a look at the results. So, by the way, we are we're we're using Zoom Zoom because we like Zoom. You know, we're talking to Zoom about working together, but right now this is just we like Zoom, and I've tried everything else, and there are some other good ones, but this is why we have Zoom. So, back to Anthony. 
Uh, well, in that case, back to Osa. Uh, give us your top tips now of how to run a larger online conference. I talked more about the smaller ones, the webinars and the seminars. So yeah. just go on. Before I do that, I really would like to tell my story, how it all started, because I think that was really driven by a, a need. Uh, it actually started already in 2015. I worked for a very large corporation with their R&D spread out in 43 countries around the world. And we could only afford to fly in 700 of these to this you know, yearly conference where we had some nine dining and uh, nice uh, entertainment and stuff. And they all flew back home. But the strategy didn't improve. We didn't get all those R&D people to walk in the same direction. We had a problem. So we realized we need to reach more people in this huge organization. So we decided to go digital. And that's where we actually started to develop this format. So what happened is that we, we managed to connect 5,000 leaders from this organization in the same live broadcast, listening to the same content. Uh, eight sites were part of the actual uh, broadcast delivering content and we said hi to you know so many people during the, the this conference and this became uh, uh, you know this became the tradition instead so that was really the beginning how we we had a problem that we needed to solve and since then uh, we have done a lot so I, I really uh, learned throughout the way in, in, in developing these things. But my five hot ones, I'm gonna get you, and I'm not, now I need to really listen, act upon your advice, Antonio here. But my five advice are, make sure you produce the agenda with the digital audience in mind. Uh, some of that has already been said. It needs to be short session. It needs to be dynamics. It needs to be a variety of pre-recordings, live speakers, different sceneries with a sofa seating, with interviews. It could be a presenter. It could be something else, animations or whatever. You need to attract the audience all through because if not, they will leave in 10 minutes or start to look at the social media, of course. So. Uh, second, I think it's really important to pretty fast create a sense of belonging in a conference. When you enter a room, you, you realize or immediately you belong to that conference, you belong to that room. You have to create this in a digital room by doing interaction. And you can do interaction in many ways. Some of them have already been said here. We have excellent chat functions here, Q&A, that can also be used. You can have an expert panel in the back. Uh, answering questions all the time and the moderating can move to the expert panel. You can have um, Mentimeters, you can have, there's an, tons of different activity tools. So you can have live links to different sites. So you can actually connect with people live and say, hey guys, how are you? Uh, and they can also share some content. So interactivity, I think, is extremely important for the user experience. Thirdly, I think we should really utilize the technology that is available. Uh, digitally. That means in a live conference, use uh, green screens, VR, AR, graphics, uh, maybe the keynote speaker is in holograms. This, there are so many technologies here we can use. So, you know, the user experience, that's really the value we can add by using these different things. Uh, and I've tried many of them and, and uh, it's really an awesome experience if you try to get those into a very dynamic agenda. 
When it comes to the content, uh, you really have to be to the point and carve out the key message. Longer uh, sentences, explanations, things like that really make the, the audience bored. So you need to be really spot on with your, with your key message. So it's a content work that is really uh, in the back of, of a good show. And um, my fifth advice, it's really based on experience because we, when we did these three hour conferences in the beginning, we realized that human brains are, like I said, are not really uh, used to look at a small laptop screen for three hours or even worse if you're consuming it in your mobile. So what we did then, we, uh, we started to, to take the hubs, as you mentioned, Anthony, the hubs where people actually were one, more, more, um, one or more people in the same site. So we urged them to consume the digital conference in the same room. And that really made a big difference because you get engagement locally and you get people much more, you know, you get their attention if they are several people. They, they can also discuss things in the room. You can raise questions, they can discuss together. So I would say a digital meeting can never replace a, dig, uh, sorry, a physical meeting. But if you sh um, consume the conference together and you have interaction, you can actually come pretty far, uh, you know, when it's come to this human uh, side of it. So that was my five ones. Perfect. Can you give us one more when it comes to speaker? I had mine when it comes to these speakers, how they can act. What about um, from a conference perspective? Any advice on speakers? Yes. I think it's extremely important with a mix of speakers, not only top management. Because top management, most of the times, they are just you know talking about the high-flying things, strategies, uh, things like that. I think the content needs to be so crisp and so interesting to the audience stay, which means that you need a mix of speakers. You need the expert in, in there as well. You need some, some specialist, or maybe you need a, an external keynote who can share another perspective. So I think a, a good mix of level, but also uh, knowledge will really provide insights and, and more of a knowledge sharing to the audience. And I think that's really, really important for a good agenda. But do I mean, you see that as a difference between a, a virtual or a, or a physical conference? I would say it's like goes, the same. I would say it goes for all conferences. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think I yeah, totally agree I, with you on that. If you see what you can do in a digital conference, for example, you can't in a physical conference talk to everyone in the room, but here you can do that with a chat. Yeah. You know? uh, that's that could also be a great disadvantage depending on what you're saying, of course, right? But you can cross communicate and you can share assets, and you know this is why. For example, right now we have Sarah Crow. Uh, is this Cheryl Crow's sister? No, just kidding. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Crow is there. She raised her hand. And we're going to bring her into the call right now, okay? Uh, Sarah, let's bring you in if you have video. And this is the kind of stuff you can do. I mean, it's impossible for a panelist stage to bring in somebody from the middle of the audience like this or as quickly. So let's see if Sarah is there and can actually give us her question audio and video if you can. Sarah, you're on. Great. I hope you can hear me all right. Yes, we can. And that's one of the worst things you can do in a video conference, of course, is to say, can you hear me? Uh, but I'm <laughs> curious to know your thoughts on uh, security, the security issues. There's a lot of media on that at the moment, uh, particularly when you're, I'm with UNICEF, with the UN, 
uh, and we're always concerned about, you know, the Security Council meetings or if it's a DevOps style, the spring meetings. Uh, to what extent can you, I know you can close meetings and that's one function I'm aware of. Uh, but also, while I've got you and three of you are keynote speakers, how can you do it in such a way that the keynote speakers become performative? Uh, Anthony, you spoke about, you know, having head and shoulder shots, but how can you do it in a much more performative TED type, TED type approach? Yeah, great question, Sarah. And I'm, of course, that's, that's several questions. But, you know, one thing I'm working on to make it more interactive is I'm not going to actually sit in the future. I'm going to be back there. I need a better setup. I'm going to be walking around in the virtual room that you see behind me like I would on stage. And in fact, if Anthony has the same background, we could be kind of in the same room, right? And I think all these things, are those are more technical where you, you have to be more of a geek to figure this out, right? But it's coming. I think that is a great solution. There was a, another question earlier about telepresence, right? I think that telepresence has always been pretty cool, but too expensive. And the price will just go down and down and down until in the very near future, we can be virtually next to each other and much more interactive uh, than we are currently in the sort of post-Skype generation, <laughs> you know, even using Zoom. I'd like to add one thing there also, uh, build on that. Now I'm sitting at my, in, in my office, uh, so that's why I have this type of, of neutral background, uh, me in front of my webcam. But what we're talking about here now, Sarah, I think is, is more of the uh, building up a studio, which I think, uh, you know, you can rent it or you can build it. it it doesn't cost so much if you compare it to the, the price of, of just bringing everybody to the same place. So uh, there are a number of studios out there already. More will be built. Gert will build, build one himself. Uh, and I would suggest that we use some of that when it comes to those more, uh, the bigger conferences, the larger conferences, so that we have good quality, high definition, 4K, standing up, moving around, two cameras, three cameras, work on that kind of setup. That will be... Uh, really neat to do, and it will work beautifully, I think, as long as the technology works. When it comes to security, I'm not your guy. I don't know anything about that, so I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 think... I can fill in when it comes to security. Okay, uh, good. When you do corporate, com uh, corporate conferences, you need to be on a secure line, so to say. Uh, otherwise, you know, have you have industry espionage right away. So in that sense, you have to work with a, with a technical platform that allows you to have a gate uh, to your conference so you have a password or something to come in i think that's that's really what corporates requires i mean zoom is a is a, is a cloud-based uh, tool so uh, a corporate would most likely not use zoom for for a conference where you talk about internal secrets so to say so there are different levels and there are for sure uh, the first question you get from corporates when they are going to do this uh, what about security? Can can someone else see my conference? So I think the question is extremely valid. Yeah, I think right now there's a lot of money flowing into the whole discussion about what can happen in terms of technology with this. I mean, if you looked at the business case, case for augmented reality, virtual reality holograms, that's all like exploding now, right? So, so every investor is going to pull out of oil because oil is finished, right? And they're going to pull out of a whole bunch of other things like airlines and they're going to put their money back here because this makes a lot of sense, right? we're going to have a, a huge boom in development and also in infrastructure. And this is where security comes in, right? I mean, what we're doing here doesn't require security. And uh, I, I think Zoom is a system that's primarily based for, for more or less open conversations. Uh, but you can bet that in the very near future, lots and lots of like Microsoft Teams, for example, and many other ones, right, 
they're going to be putting industrial grade security on all these things. And they're already working on that, I think. Uh, it, it will require a lot of infrastructure building. Uh, and I think this is why people pick different platforms. So you want to you be not secure at all. You go to Crowdcast, right? <laughs> a little bit secure, you can use Vimeo or Zoom or totally secure, maybe it's Microsoft Teams, I don't know, or, or WebEx for that matter, right? So we'll see about that. But I think this, this will actually shake out pretty well uh, right now. It's hard to imagine because you know what we're doing here, anybody could download, cut it up in pieces and, 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 and dish it up on some other network, right? Uh, and, and this is kind of, you know, that's, that's how we're doing things. Um, you have any other comments? Otherwise, I think we should take another hand and then look at the questions, yeah? So there's Simon Torrance. Simon is also a member of the Features Agency. Thanks for joining us, Simon. And uh, Sawa will pipe you into the feed now. If you have video, then we can also see your video and just tell us briefly where you're calling from and uh, how you're doing. Yeah, thanks, Gert. Um, really good to speak to you. I, I don't know how to activate my video because uh, so I'm just sort of speaking by audio. Okay. I can't see how to do that but for the video. But um, my question is um, for commercial uh, conference organizers where they get maybe half their revenue from sponsors and half from selling delegate tickets. How do they, how could they rethink their commercial model um, in doing virtual events? Also? Wow. Well, I think I think the organizers really need to turn the thinking upside down. Uh, they they need to change the business model totally. And I think uh, maybe you don't need sponsors in that sense in the same amount. Uh, or maybe you need sponsors to to uh, set up the links. But the cost is so low for the digital conferences. It might be the speaker's cost and then the moderator's cost, but Otherwise, you don't have these costs for, you know, facilities and, and mingling food and, and drinks, etc. So there is a totally different cost model here. So I would say I think I will see in the future digital conferences and really attractive agenda. And I pay an entry fee, which is quite low. Uh, and because what you can do in the digital world, you can get so many more people to join your conference. So it's, it's a totally different model. You don't need to fill the room to, to pay the, the facilities. Here you have a different setup. You can let thousands of people instead of hundreds. Uh, so I think the cost, the cost model would look very different in the future. Quite low fee to entry uh, a good conference. Yeah, I think on the, on, the, on the cost side, I think if you're looking at the real cost of doing this event in the future, I think we're talking about content, you know, speakers and all that experience which is giveaways and goodies and digital things and uh, and technology which will be more expensive you know you want to have good technology it's not going to be cheap right but it will still be 70 percent cheaper than most live events right so do you need sponsors well well maybe your sponsor is going to just cover the speaker and then get a one minute slot to to show a video or something right and we have to be creative about this i think the money is going in this direction totally yeah um and, and that's for so many obvious reasons. And uh, if you're looking at, you know, who usually pays for events, it's marketing budget, it's, it's corporate communications, it's not HR, right? Uh, of, of course, HR also does events, which is a different cup of tea, more training oriented. So I see many new possibilities there. I think sponsors are also now desperate in finding business cases for reaching people in digital ways. And don't forget that, you know, with all the online stuff that we're doing now, we have archives, right? So, you know, now you can actually watch this conference anytime and the sponsor is part of that, right? So maybe uh, I think in the future, Zoom and other companies will have virtual rooms 
So we're going to go into like a venue. You know, I'm going to be like, like I am at the Radio City uh, location or something, right? I'm going to be in a venue and the sponsor can help me design the venue and put up some banners and, you know, like they're doing a real place. And that's all coming right now. We're still in the early stage where we don't have rooms. We only have fake backgrounds. You know? But all that but again, I mean, you lose some of the interactivity, of course, when you do that as well, right? If you have, uh, that, that's a YouTube clip. And you're not part of the program anymore. Here you are part of the program. You ask questions, you, you do some chatting and so forth. That is the richest form of communication we can do right now in the digital way. And so one question was about, what about the YouTube stream right now? Well, anyone who, who was not in this actual session can still watch it on YouTube. It's still live, but they, they don't have the same type of, of uh, interaction, I think, that, that we have right now in the Zoom calls, let's say. Yeah, I think on the interaction side, there's many cool new things. Uh, the other day, I was uh, watching a show by Niels Müller from Trend One uh, in Germany, and they actually had a meeting, not a webinar, and there's a different functionality, but you can basically unlock everybody's microphone at once. Uh, and that was pretty cool because you were able to say, okay, now everybody gets to scream yes or scream no, you know, on certain questions. So we can be interactive with sound, yeah? Uh, or we can clap, or we can do other things, you know, sort of on the fly uh, together, right? Uh, and also what's really cool in uh, Zoom meetings, for example, rather than Zoom uh, webinars, is that you can have a thumbnails of 100 people on a, on a huge screen, right? So everybody can do things right? and interact that way. I think there will be many such things where we can say, well, you know, once we get hip to the technology, you know, for example, I can I can use my iPhone to bring in my room by just holding it up and filming what's behind me also using the external camera right? uh, or a Twitter feed and all these kind of things. These are all things to be experimented. I and think, I think that's that, the, yeah. it's our imagination that is the limitation right now. Technology is there. Uh, it's all there. It's just what we can imagine. And, and it's, a, it's like you said Gerd, before, it's a transformation uh, and, and people's habits of being and physical events. And now we need to use people to move on and, and get used to other things and, and maybe we need to move slow because of the, the ability to adapt to new things but i know that that my brain is the limitation when i do events like this it, it, the technology is really there well, right now we're not moving very slowly i mean we're just <laughs> not only dipping our foot into the pool we're right into it uh, and i can see you know massive change going on right now but I also think that we do want to sit around the campfire talking to each other also in the future. So, so my bet is on um, hybrid events, actually. I think that would be really interesting to see in the future. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you have 30 really important people in a network, like 30 CIOs, you know, CTOs globally. Right? Could they be meeting once a month because they know each other using this? That would be fantastic, right, to catch up. I mean, the other day we had a meeting with people having a drink in the evening together and chatting about how we were doing and all that stuff, you know? That wouldn't have happened before. And then when you have this meeting, then, you, then eventually you have a real meeting. Everybody says, oh, that was pretty cool, you know, your background or whatever, right? You actually get together and it enforces the network, right? And I think it makes us more human if we do this, if we don't forego the other experience. Uh, and business models, yeah, business models, I mean, that's a tough question, right? We're trying to figure out the business model here because, you know, we're not selling this show. But as speakers, I think we want to encourage agencies. There's many speaker agencies on this call, I think, on, on this conference. We want to encourage agencies and clients to try this. Right? 
I mean, it's yeah, and it's, also to come back there, to what right? Orsa said before, the, you know, keep it shorter. Uh, I I think I mentioned that well. Keep it shorter and keep it more crisp. Uh, it's still a matter of bringing in subject matter experts and then, you know, deliver so that it comes across, you know, through the screen and through the lens, so to say. So the content is still there. It still has to be there and even more crisp and even more perhaps to the point so that we don't uh, lose out, you know, people who just leave otherwise if it's too, you know, boring, so to say. The, the attention I mean, span is really short in a physical meeting, but it's even shorter in the virtual environment. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for us is, as I mean, I've done almost 2,000 gigs on big stages. So the hardest thing for us is to shut up and, and, and keep it short. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's the hardest thing to say, okay, you have 30 seconds to say what you want to say, right? And then move on. So it's, and you don't get 40 minutes to present, you know? So that, that's a steep learning curve. We, we have somebody else in here uh, raising the hand. Then maybe we should go back to the question, right? You guys okay with taking another call? Yeah. I sure. On the, on the late night call show or somewhere. So Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey. Okay, great. Uh, my Take question is, sure, my, I'm calling you from um, British Columbia in Canada today. Uh, my question is, do you think there will be a difference between how various markets uh, will react to the potential for virtual conferences? And, uh, and my question, my wondering about this is there's very different reactions globally at the moment to pandemic response. Uh, and will that eventually uh, still trickle over into how uh, various markets think about these kinds of events? Yeah. I mean, I think Peter Drucker once said, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Uh, and I always say culture eats technology for breakfast you know, riffing off Peter Drucker, because it all depends on your culture. You know, like in Switzerland, where I live, it's a very personal culture. Uh, it's, and people are very, you know, they're very into gadgets and everything, but, but they want to meet, right? Uh, Americans, yeah, I think Americans will adopt instantly, and they already have. Uh, the Anglo world is much faster on this, but then again, America will probably have a huge crisis for the foreseeable future so so uh, but of course you call it from canada so you could you could smile about that one but I, I think the the adoption really is a question of once it becomes good and normal you know then then you take the leap i mean look what happened uh, i think 10 or 12 years ago we had nokia ovi you know for downloading music and you'd have to use a certain copy protection and pay two euros and nobody will, i think they sold a hundred thousand songs and now you have spotify uh, 24 million songs, you know, on the push of a button, everybody's using it. I think it's going to be the same here. Can you I also have the... to that as well? Uh, I think there are different perspectives into this. I think there's uh, one way of, of the uh, how many laptops you have and how IT mature you are in a country. Maybe you work in a very modern workplace, but it, it's not the laptops you bring home every day and it's not that that modern in, in the technology sense, of course, that is a barrier. Uh, the ones who are online now, we are, um, you have most likely several devices in your homes already. There are parts of the world, they're not there yet. So of course, we will see differences there. I also think that this uh, more cultural thing, uh, if you have done a good job, uh, they allow you to go to a certain conference. It's a gratitude. Uh, and if you're there, you're mingling, and you feel that it, it, it's, uh, it's it's a celebration for you of, of you, sort of. 
uh, going to a digital conference is not the same status. Uh, and, and I think we will see some, some um, you know, changes here. Uh, and of course, there are uh, how the, the normal behavior in certain markets, like, like you mentioned yourself, how we act now when there is some, some uh, crisis in the world, we act differently. But I think it's a lot about IT maturity here, how used you are to work, work with the screen. And I think, I mean, I really think that the crown princess of Sweden will be the first royal that will be a hologram on the next country visit uh, because she's in really into IT and, and she's very, uh, you know, she care for, for the environment and she thinks very sustainable. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if she will, you know, I will visit you, but I, I do it online. And if we just start to see those things that the, the uh, visionaries and, 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 and the front runners in that sense, that, that can of course help out. But I think there's very, a, a lot of perspectives into this. I think, you know, can I add one, to, can I add one thing also? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, is it a cultural thing? Uh, I think it's more of a habit uh, than anything else. And right now, most of us uh, in this uh, audience, at least, we are thrown into this kind of house arrest environment where we have to discover video for the first time, like it was something new. Uh, and I think that if we do that more, the more people who will be actually be in house arrest, having to collaborate with peers anyway in the smaller everyday meeting like this, then they will be more and more used to also attend perhaps an online conference. So I, I think that this is actually the, the first stepping stone into more online conferences. The fact that we have to start collaborating in this type of format as well. Yeah, and keep in mind, you know, technology is exponential. Right. All we do is need to pour some money on it. Uh, and what we see right now is all this stuff like augmented reality, virtually holograms, telepresence. That was all there. But now we have a real business case. Right. So and of course, it's also deeply disturbing to think about that people will walk around with that virtual reality helmet all day long. Uh, I don't know what that's going to do to their brain. But uh, on the other hand, you know, I, I predicted in my last piece that I wrote about post-corona future. You can find that, by the way, at postcoronafuture.com. I, I wrote in there that. I think in the very near future, I'm going to go to Zurich airport. I'm going to hop into a holographic room that costs $2 million to build. I'm going to hop out in Singapore and give a talk. Right? And the airline will sell me the ticket. Uh, because, you know, that room I can't do here. Right? But this is the kind of stuff that's coming. I'm going to go to the airport to virtually travel. It's, a, it's hard to imagine for airlines. Of course, I don't like the idea there's no gasoline being burned. But uh, who knows, right? I think this is a huge thing that we we're going to see coming. So shall we take another question? I mean, not, not a hand raise. We'll, we'll go back to Ragda in a second. Right now, I think we should take the, the first question, the top rated question, right? So here we have Ryan Noik. Thanks for attending. How do you attract a person's attendance to your online event and regain their presence? With live events, once you're in the venue, it's, uh, it's not as easy to just walk away. Yeah, that's for sure. We've lost 30 people. <laughs> so, yeah. How do you attract attention? Anybody? I think it's all about the agenda. Uh, the agenda needs to be so crisp, so you really are on your full attention all the time and is so interested. And uh, like always, save the best for last or something like that. But it's all about the agenda. I don't think there are there are any way other ways of, of you know holding on to to digital audience. Otherwise, if you if you can win money if you stay to the end, then I don't think that will be the case. Mm -hmm. 
I guess you can have a famous celebrity if you want to. If you don't have a good agenda, you can at least do that. But I agree with Osa. Contents is king. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're on, on running up to an event, I'm just sharing the, the web address here, uh, running up to the event, um, it's all about content and schedule and, and attraction, just like other events have been before. During the event, it's about production quality, it's about speed, it's about personality, it's about experience. Those are two different things, right? Um, I, think, I think what's going to happen here is that most of these events will be done by companies that already have an audience. You know, they, they have all their sales managers, they have already all their partners, and now they have to do it here. Right? And they, uh, they have to relearn how that works. For example, you know, you go to many conferences. I mean, I attend so many, it's hard to imagine. And I tell you, I think, uh, you know, you have a six or seven hour events and, and a lot of that can be utterly boring listening to the next guy with the Excel spreadsheet. And uh, that will not happen online, right? <laughs> because people will just switch off and check out their Facebook in the meantime, right? It forces us to perform better and to get our, to get our act together. And, and it's funny, you know, how many corporate uh, people do you know that are good video, are good on video and good in audio and good at speaking. And, and I think all of us are going to become, in a way, sort of online performers now. Uh, most companies that do this, right? Uh, another question, and then we'll take Raktas, uh, okay? So, um, uh, anonymous attendee, uh, can you recommend other software tools for digital conferences? Many other ones. Anybody want to chime in on this? But, I, you know, I have good experience with uh, Crowdcast. I watched an amazing show for Singularity University the other day with 25,000 people online. Uh, so if you have very large crowds, you don't need a lot of interactivity. That's not what I want to do, but it worked great. Uh, Vimeo Pro, I like quite a bit for the same reason. I love Zoom because the sound quality is usually good. The audio quality is good. The tools are complex and you can do different things. And I, I feel kind of comfortable with that now. But uh, I have been investigating. I know pretty much everything. Just yesterday, I found a great, uh, a great website <laughs> called houseparty.com. <laughs> take a look, and this is obviously not for webinars, but it's basically to put the party online between houses, right? Uh, so, I don't know, take a look at that one. Anyone else? Don't be shy. I like Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I really do. I've tried a couple of ones as well. Team, for instance, the Microsoft Team is, is a fantastic collaboration tool, but this part is tricky. This is much easier on Zoom. Yeah, I, th I think we're going to see so many other options unfolding here. Also, I mean, Zoom can be expensive on the top end, you know, that's, uh, and that's going to change the... I think what's happening now is, of course, everybody's doing this, so, so it's taken up a lot of bandwidth. Uh, and here in Switzerland, we're lucky with the internet, as you are in Sweden, I think. Uh, but if you're in a country like Brazil or, or India where you already have a bandwidth with issues, you know, uh, that could be quite unnerving. Do you want to chime in also or? No, I, you know, I have worked with Zoom and a lot with Teams actually, and I think they're good at two different things. Uh, I think Teams is really relevant for your colleagues and your, your working team uh, where you need to share documents and you can prioritize tasks and work with Teams Planner, for, for example. I think that's if you're a remote leader and you need to manage your team on a daily basis remotely, I think Teams is a good organizer in that sense. But I agree with the Antoni that this Zoom is a little bit more, you know, friendly when it's come to the, the visibility of, of people and uh, easy to swap. And uh, so I think it. Uh, I think you find your favorite when you know what to use it. 
support. Yes, yeah, a, a great question it. here. Great question here on the chat saying, is there a platform that can accommodate 360 degree cameras? I think all that stuff is coming. Uh, again, keep in mind so far, there wasn't much of a business case. You know, again, Spotify, when Spotify came first came around, they said, we're going to put music in the cloud. And it's like, oh, no, nobody will pay. And it's going to sound terrible. Right. And then all of a sudden, the iPhone, the cloud, 4G, boom, 120 million subscribers. It's going to be the same here. I think we're going to see a huge boom and lots of possibilities. In fact, I think it may get so good that we get lost as to where we actually are. You know, are we in a virtual room or are we actually in our real life? And I said for a joke sometimes, I think about virtual rooms is uh, imagine you're in there all day long. You come home in the evening with your kids and, and, and your wife or your husband. Uh, and you find it utterly boring because you're not in a virtual room. <laughs> I mean, it could be sort of the opposite of that. So, Which is uh, perhaps one of the questions we got about gamification, how that can right. help. And I think absolutely it can help. Anything that kind of triggers dopamine and, and give us a rush for somehow um, making us more drawn into the conversation or the presentation is a good thing. Yeah, let's, uh, let's take another call in here. Uh, Ragda El Halavani. Please tell us where you're from, and um, if you can't do video, otherwise you're just going to be an icon in people's uh, in people's feed. Uh, hey, I'm Radha Halawani, and um, I'm joining with my colleagues from Masterpiece, and we are Global Peace Movement, and uh, we are shifting digital also our summits, and we do it in different parts of the world. Um, uh, my question is mainly about um, you, uh, the panelists talked a lot about um, companies that host events and doing it virtually. In our case, it's more that we also work on events that we invite a lot of public. So the part about promotion and reach out to different stakeholders, different change makers, uh, groups that we could reach in the physical world by promoting and going out there and inviting um, um, more stakeholders. Now, how can we do the shift online? How can we promote to an event that gets a significant number of attendees um, while we cannot do it, let's say, in the traditional way of going out and reaching out to these communities on the ground? Yeah, great question, Rata. I think this is, uh, this of course, is the, the, the key question that we have to figure out how we do this. I mean, it's kind of like uh, when YouTube first came around, it was easy to get attention. <laughs> and now everybody's on YouTube, it's very hard to get attention. Uh, so I think Zoom and other online platforms will kind of become like this. I, I tend to think that being unique, uh, being personal, having a leg up uh, becomes a sort of a big uh, differentiator. You know, what exactly do you stand for? Uh, what is happening? Is it, is, what's the style? It's like, you know, why do you watch, uh, say, a Y50, you know, 40 years ago versus CSI today, they have their own brands and what they do and how they all hang together. I mean, Netflix has a great example of this. You know, why are, why are shows like Outlander so popular or as compared to other ones like House of Cards and so on? They all have their own way of doing things. And I think this has to happen also for, you know, I call it the Zoom show now. <laughs> Basically, the, this is the kind of thing that we do now. Everybody has to come up with their own way of, of finding their format that's attractive especially if you're an NGO or if you're an organization that depends on user participation and so on. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a good question. And one thing is for sure, uh, it's not going to be less uh, virtual conferences in the future. So we're going to compete even more in that arena. 
not a, not an easy one to to uh, to answer. I actually would like to ask you tons of questions instead of how you do today, and, and so. But but yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, how do you get attention when there's so much of it? You know, these days I get like I don't know thirty invitations for webinars every day, right? I'm sure you do as well. In the future, this will be just totally normal. It's kind of like you know, said watch my YouTube video, but now it's interactive and all all this stuff is becoming free. Which is, by the way, another thing. I think right now a lot of things are free. They will not be in the future. <laughs> so, I mean, we're doing this because we're trying this with you and we're, we're sort of giving back to the community as well. Uh, and that's a good thing. But in the end, of course, our business case is not to be free. Uh, uh, and that's, I think, true for a lot of those things that go on right now. So if The Economist does all online events or TED or, you know, whoever's doing it now, uh, a lot of business events will not be free, but they will be more democratized in the sense of, accessible also on different levels. So I can easily imagine sort of a premium level where you have premium access to certain breakout rooms and other ones don't. Right? Uh, and that's, so the business model is going to unfold very much like online music and online television and over the top video uh, will unfold as we're doing it. Perhaps we'll see the same thing as we do in uh, some of the live physical conferences. We have executive round tables for some specific people. Perhaps you will have the same in a, in a situation like this, where you have dedicated rooms for dedicated people, perhaps paying a premium to talk to the thought leader, for instance. Uh, all sorts of things could happen here. It's really exciting, <laughs> I tell you, even though I would love to be, you know, in your, um, uh, you know, together with you, really. But, but still, it's, it's pretty uh, cool things that's going to happen. I think it also flattens the hierarchy, you know. I mean, if you look at what used to happen in the old, uh, when I was still on the road, you know, I would go on stage and speak for 40 minutes and then I would talk to a few people and I would leave. Right? And now it's like all of a sudden we're together on stage. And it's, it's more flat, you know, where we're actually collaborating, communicating. And yeah, everybody has a different style, but it's becoming possible, right? In a, in a, in a real-time format, face-to-face, it's always going to be about, you know, who's, who is the most impressive with their stuff on stage, right? Just like going to a rock concert. Uh, and and in, so, in so many ways, you can say big productions these days for conferences are kind of like rock concerts. Yeah? I used to be a musician. <laughs> so um, anyway, Sotiris, we have Sotiris Chatsidakis. Uh, yeah, see, I know him pretty well. He's from, from uh, Bucharest. And so I would like you to chime in if you have video. Uh, Show us your video. Hey, Sotiris. Good to see you again. Yes. Uh, Good to uh, see your icon. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. I don't know how to turn it on, to be honest with you. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for this. This is really informative. I've kept tons of uh, notes here. I want to ask you, uh, our experience, we, we are running, for Antoni and Asta, we are running a, a, a business club uh, in Bucharest, Romania. We have more than 300 members. And the essence of our existence is that we're offering this physical meeting for people several times a year, right? And then we organize, we organize also smaller and bigger events. Uh, Gerd has been uh, a speaker for us for a couple of times. And what we did is that we managed three weeks ago, as soon as we understood what is happening, we switched completely to online, uh, YouTube first time, and then uh, Zoom. With quite a success, I must say. Many people uh, follow and stuff like that. My question to you is the following. My guess is that after all this uh, home confinement thing ends, we will all go out on the street and start, you know, like, having really missed each other. 
And I believe that the belonging industry, if we can call it like this, what we do, is going to be uh, on the up and up. That's, that's maybe wishful thinking from my side. Or How much would you see this all, the whole online thing um, uh, disrupting the way we meet, not necessarily the way we, we, we visit the site in order to, to listen to a speaker, but rather the way we come together and because some of, uh, one of you mentioned that it's a different scenario when you were talking, you are talking to an audience that knows each other. It's a whole different thing, right? How would you see that being disrupted? Well, if I, if I start then also, you can take over. Um, for me, this is kind of obvious. If, you, if, if this whole confinement thing goes over that we can meet each other again, we want to meet again. But what we could do and what I see some people do right now, some, some companies do is that they, that they, uh, they meet physically and then they have virtual uh, conferences and meetings in between and then they meet again. So I, I would probably say that that would be a, a success formula in the future. I'm also involved in some of those uh, um, programs, if you will, uh, and that's uh, uh, really interesting because we started off talking about it as a physical meeting. It's me and 15 CIOs or something like that. Now, of course, we could do that once, once this shit is over, but then we will go back to having virtual meetings in between. That's what I think, at least. I, I agree with you, Antonia. I, I don't see any other option. And we will use both sides, the digital ones for reaching more people, reaching many uh, to a lower cost and, and for sustainable reasons, but, but our human capabilities, our human the human part of us still want to meet and I think that's something we should encourage too because you you do discussions when you meet physically that you probably won't do in the digital meeting room and you need to also see people's reaction more you need to spend more time to get to something that you want to so I think uh, I don't think the physical meetings will be 100% replaced but more hybrids uh, for different reasons Another thing that, uh, that I found interesting is to work with what we can call flipped classroom, where you have uh, knowledge sharing offline, so to say, when you're not uh, uh, together. And then you have the rest of the meeting when you are together, and that's when you kind of share your collective intelligence. So I, I think we will see more of that as well. Perhaps uh, me or Gert or Osa will, will show you a video first, uh, and that's part of the meeting, but it's not at the meeting. So you kind of, it's, it's part of the whole um, uh, timeline, so to say. Do that first. It will take you 15 minutes, then come into the meeting, and then we have a discussion together. So uh, yeah. this kind of whole idea about flipped, flipped classroom is, is probably really interesting in this scenario as well. I think there's really two things about this. First is when technology becomes so easy and so ingrained, it becomes a habit, Okay. And WhatsApp has become a habit for many people. Like even you know, even even our relatives sending us voice messages now. You know, seventy-year-old people talking into WhatsApp. So it has become a global thing. And I think once technology becomes such a habit that we don't even think about it anymore, you know, we can. Of course, we do this, right? It's gonna go. It's gonna continue. Right? And people will say, you know, if it worked back then, why would it not work now? And it it will have its own purpose, right? Uh, and so I think that is definitely going to be habit changing. Okay. And second, let's not pretend that we're going back to normal ever after this crisis in terms of, okay, what are we going to pay for air, for airlines if they even continue to exist, right? Many of them will go bankrupt. Yeah. How are we going to go to the airport through all the health checks, right? 
how we're going to deal with a financial depression that is certain to follow a 30% decline of GDP. Right? Uh, and these are all not very nice things, but I think other things will come out of it. The reality is we're going to be more picky about where we go. We're going to be more appreciative. We're going to be more local, which is good for you, Sotiris, I think, right there, because people are, are there, generally speaking. Um, but I think, in general, they will be sort of in parallel of those things. And when, when online conferencing, Zooming, or whatever you want to call it, becomes the new normal, people will say, yeah, of course, we do it. We, and it works. Right? They will continue. I'm, I'm certain of that. Uh, once we can go back to actually meeting, maybe we're going to meet with smaller groups. That would also be nice, right? Uh, so that we don't always have to have 3,000 people. We can go 200 people. Shall we take a question? I like the comment from Bert Collett here. He said, I'm missing functions, applause, emotions, uh, thumbs up, etc." I, I, I really like that comment because I think in, in tools and, and uh, digital conferences, you, you have to plan interaction, but it would be great if more tools have this more spontaneous interaction in terms of showing feelings with the uh, heart coming up or what it can be. I think that would be a very human touch to it. Uh, I like that comment. Very good. Then in that, in that sense, let's do another poll. At least we have some interactivity there. Uh, and I think that's also part of the tools where you can, uh, well, it's not actually, it's in the meeting tool where you can applaud and those kind of things. So I'm going to launch, launch this poll. This is a poll about, tell us who you are, please, uh, in terms of uh, your background. I should have done that in the beginning, but, you know, better late than never. Uh, and I think you have multiple choice here now. So you can tell us who you are. That would be good to know. Um, event organizers and that sort of thing. Again, we're going to publish the whole thing on my blog, futuristgert.com. If you go to the blog part tonight, you'll, you'll see the MP4, the, the audio, the video, the slides, and the whole thing. Uh, we'll put that up later today. Uh, and of course, we have a new website, uh, theconference.digital, where we're going to put all that stuff to get your feedback on what exactly that means and which way we can go with this. So we have about 27% uh, for a company that's looking to go and do this. Uh, we have 26% that are looking for solutions for their own business. Uh, we have event organizers, 25%, and a speaker agency, 13%, or a keynote speaker themselves. Very good. I think we can just keep on voting on, the, on this a little bit. Uh, I'll keep this running. We'll share the result later, right, on the website. Probably good enough. Let's take one of the other questions. How many participants? Right now, there's 86 live, uh, 270 signed up. This is actually a very good rate. We <laughs> uh, have about 40% dropout from signing up. So about 40% dropout since we started as well. But but it's kind of running a bit late, perhaps for some people. So that's that might. Yeah, actually, this number is actually this number is very good. Um, from all the th things I've done, we started with about 140, 130. Now we're at 86. That's quite good an hour into the show. I mean, we're, we're going on for a long time here now, right? Uh, and actually, we're going to wrap up soon, so <laughs> as, as a reminder. But I think those, those numbers are actually pretty good. Um, thanks for the poll, and I'm going to end the poll. Uh, maybe I'll just show it real quick because I might as well share that with people. Okay. Take a screenshot as well. So it's, it's interesting to see that it's, it's a good mix of people. Uh, shall we take uh, Sarah's or we're not going to take another question from you uh, because <laughs> time is fleeting unless the, the panelists want to. Shall we take some of the other questions here then, and then go towards wrap up, yeah, in a, a few minutes? Oh, before I forget it, 
we are going to do another poll at the end to get your feedback, but uh, we have an also a bunch of new shows coming up. Uh, I have one next week with Ross Dawson and Shara Evans, also from the Features Agency, two really well-known futurists. And we're going to do this in Australia and New Zealand timing, so 8 a.m. here. Uh, that's next Thursday, 8 a.m. here in, in, in Europe. And you can find it out on the website, theconference.digital. So let's take another question here. Uh, which one do you want to take? One of you want to pick the question? Yeah, Anthony, pick a question. There are tons of them. Uh, I'm just uh, skimming yeah, through them now. There's a few ones that are uploaded, that have been uh, upvoted. How about the uh, the virtual world? Uh, that's kind of interesting, but uh, okay, I like this one, right? Should event companies become data companies, software developers to gain competitive edge? <laughs> I like that question. Uh, and Anthony, you should pick the next one, please. But, but you know what's happening is basically, I think we're all going to do a lot more tech stuff. Right? Uh, because getting familiar with the tools is going to be crucial. Like, you know, here in the Futures Agency, we have like 50 speakers that we're working with around the world. And I can tell you, every single speaker is struggling with understanding how that stuff all works. Because in a way, we are becoming sort of producers and hosts. Like, you know, my job is not to host conferences on, online. My job is somewhere else, right? But tech is going to be everywhere, right? So if you're an event organizer, you're going to be in tech. You know, there's no doubt about that. That's my view. Anthony? Uh, okay, one question here. Do you think, it's from JP Corey, do you think opening up for networking at the end could be interesting? Um, Hopping has the, this feature, for example. Um, yeah, I mean, some of those uh, webinar sessions can start off already before we start the, the whole show, so to say, with some sort of interaction. So you can start off already then with, with chatting and so forth. Uh, is it valuable to have, uh, what is it now, 79 video sessions going on here at the end? Ah, too many. So that's why we have a function like chat. It's not the best one, but it's better than nothing, so to say. Um, but it's an interesting idea, you know, the session is closed. Anyone who would like to stay for an extra cyber coffee, fine, let's do that. Um, <laughs> but of course, but it's hard if it's a big audience, so to say. You can do that yourself, of course. I would suggest that we're going to do the final poll and then all three of us get 40 seconds for a final word. Yeah? Uh, and also, please, in your final comment for the other participants, uh, do mention where people can find out more about yourself and your own work. Uh, just in case, and I think Soa is cutting and pasting some links right now. So the final poll is really, uh, it's going to be, how would you summarize your experience? And this is anonymous, except for, of course, Google and Facebook is tracking everything that we do, but otherwise it's anonymous. <laughs> and you have multiple choice here as well, okay? So how would you summarize your experience on this? And again, apologies that we've gone way over time here as we're supposed to. But, um, you know, these that's, days... That's a good sign, I think. It's an excellent sign that we have good <laughs> Yeah. But didn't I say keep it short in my, <laughs> in my messages? <laughs> yeah, well, no. It's funny, you know, I always say that uh, when, when we joke about the work that we do, I always say the changes for, for the clients. You know, we, we ourselves don't want to change. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the clients that are supposed to change. <laughs> And this is kind of true, like we, we want to keep it all, uh, you know, uh, short, but then we don't do it ourselves. It's, it's really uh, it's a habit thing, right? So we've got some good votes here. Um, 
I'd love to, to hear about this on the video. Uh, this is really crucial. I, I believe in the future. I mean, I, I have a one gigabyte line at home, so I'm, I'm okay with the internet, but, but generally the internet is really congested right now. It's causing huge amounts of issues about uh, people fluttering. And, and, but I'm usually quite, uh, um, I'm quite positive about the quality here. So um, yeah, we have good feedback. We have a lot to learn. Yeah, that we have a lot to learn. You can you can say that again. Technical challenges? Nobody. That's good. Well, you, you guys are way ahead. Nobody had technical challenges. Uh, okay, maybe I should do my own poll and say I did have technical challenges. But okay, keep on voting, please. Uh, we're gonna keep this vote for a little bit longer. And uh, why don't we just keep the vote up and then we'll do our final comments and then we I'll publish the results. Okay. Who wants to go first with the final comments? I think I, I can follow up on a, on a question here from Anastasia. Uh, she said she's a public speaker and, and I don't have any answer to her question, but I think public speakers now have a challenge now being requested to do their speeches, uh, their keynotes online instead. And, and of course, it's a train question of training here as well. Uh, so I really encourage you as a speaker to really take on really proper camera training and learn how to come through in the camera and work with your content uh, because it's a totally different thing so i really encourage you to to spend invest the time in that great thank you anthony well you know i'm so i'm so grateful that i have spent a lot of time in front of the camera and also written that book about virtual meetings i had no idea that i would spend so massive amount of time on that one as well um you know sharing is caring this is what i believe uh, i'm on linkedin if you see my name and you pronounce you spell it right add me on linkedin i'll be happy to uh, let us all join the family and learn together and also my website you will have there as well antonylassenai.com uh, it's been great being with you. I'm sorry we haven't been able to answer our questions. Uh, so many things popping up, uh, but thank you so much. Great. So yeah, I'm going to wrap it up by saying I, th I think you know the the human brain is wired for three things, right? Experiences, the stuff that we recognize and see and experience, right? Engagement, how we engage with others mostly, and relationships. Uh, data, information, technology, that doesn't really count in that such a way, right? So how can we be successful doing this? There's a question here from John Claudette. What can we learn from YouTubers? Well, they're engaging, they provide experiences, and they build relationships. Um, and if we can do that, I think we'll be successful. It will be different than doing it in person, but uh, I think this is the thing that we need to do uh, to differentiate. Uh, and that's what we can learn from YouTubers. Albeda would say that YouTube is, of course, entirely different format in terms of uh, the presentation format and everything. So we need to learn how to do that. And this is why I'm so grateful you guys are here. Uh, also, would you tell us briefly where we can find more about yourself? Yeah, I have a webpage called diegemarkconsulting.se and you can also find me on LinkedIn where I post uh, different activities I run. And if you need help with your corporate online conference, you know where to find me and I'll be happy to support. Great, thank you very much. Of course, on my own end, on my own end, all you have to do is uh, Google for GERD, G-E-R-D, and first you'll find the gastrointestinal reflux disease, which is uh, one step ahead of me. Uh, but right after that, I'm second GERD on the internet. Just look for GERD Futurist. You'll see all my stuff. I'll share quickly here the results. I think you'll find this entertaining. Um, 
So we have a lot of people saying they had a lot to learn, and I totally agree with this. Right? And please do send us your feedback. We're going to send all the links out. I think this is happening automatically on Zoom um, in, uh, in, in one day. But for the time being, please go to futureofusgert.com tonight and look at the blog, and you'll see all of the details and the post and the slides and, and the whole nine yards. And do join us for the, for the rest of the show. Thanks very much. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks to the panelists, Anthony, Alsa, also Soha. Thank you for moderating skillfully as ever. And um, good luck in the future. And remember, the future is better than we think. Good. Thank you. Ciao. Bye-bye.